No one will be admitted after the guests check in. Oh yeah! Welcome to Motel Hell. We're recording, right? Oh yeah, we're doing well. Yeah, the podcast where we do research on stuff, spooky stuff, all types of different stuff, and we bring it to you, the listener, for your the for your, two or three of you out there. Thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Rate, subscribe, and review <laughs> <laughs> on SoundCloud somehow. Which you can't do. Uh, I'm Alexa. Uh, to my left is. Ben Beardo, a.k.a. Captain Stabbin, a.k.a. The Professor. The Professor. <laughs> that is the bottom. <laughs> Are you going to hit me with that? He's waiting for his introduction. And I'm introducing myself. <laughs> Dick Fetty here. I got a, uh, some boiling water in case somebody felt the need to introduce me first. Ooh. Glad we avoided that catastrophe. Jeez. For a second I thought his mirror on the wall was affecting him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um... Uh, so I was in Acme, and I was just strolling along, doing my shopping, and I... You saw a beaver? No, I... <laughs> I already... It doesn't matter. So I'm... And over the loudspeaker I hear, Alexa, can you come to customer service? Alexa, to customer service. And, like, I sort of stopped, and I turned my head, and the lady who was working at customer service who just made that announcement was, like, right next to me, and I was like... I, I'm Alexa. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> she was like, no, the Alexa that works here. And I was like, right. And <laughs> I just like rounded the corner and started hysterically laughing, like could not control my laughter. And there's tons of other people in the Acme, and they're just looking at me, and I'm like looking at Eggo waffles, just losing my mind. So how many edibles did you eat before this excursion? It's just like I'm I was thinking <laughs> I was like, why would if someone knows I'm at Acme? I, I thought it was maybe you had called the Acme and needed to reach me, and I was like, why didn't he? Did you forget the little <laughs> liquid plumber? <laughs> you need it. It's just the moment where I was just like, I am Alexa. What do you need, Madame? She's like, what are you talking about? Who are you? Yeah, so that Why was an, you in my an house? embarrassing moment that I had in Acme. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> so I thought you should all know about that. You just dashed all over my blanket. I might have. No, it was mostly on my pants. I so pours ash from the bottom <laughs> into the ash It tray. didn't separate it. There we go. See? Just rub it in my pants. So today we're talking about um, mass hysteria. Ooh. Ooh, how are we feeling about this topic? Hysterical. Oh, oh yeah, guys, that was good. That was a high five you just heard. You couldn't figure it out. 
didn't use our hands. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm excited. So I think we hinted at the last episode that we would be finally talking about the local stuff, but we're just way too lazy to do the research. You would think it's close to home, it'd be easier, but uh, I need to talk to my grandpappy, my pop-pop, if you will, mm. and uh, I just haven't done that. He's old and he takes forever, and frankly, he may be dead soon, so I should probably get on it, mm. but um, yeah, we're going to bring that to you one of these days. But eventually. Eventually. Yeah, Who knows, true. maybe the other thing that we're going to talk about on that episode might have come to a close by then. Maybe. I doubt it. Yeah. Really They're never going to catch him. I know. I might just do a, a copycat crime. Ooh. Spice that. Well, now it's on record. I feel like you... Edit out. <laughs> <laughs> Reminder to edit that out. Um, but before we do that, let's review the movie we just watched. Oculus. I don't know if you guys heard the theme song. It, it's like, ah! it's pretty good. Yeah, it's. Uh, Are you gonna play it? No, I'm oh, not. Okay. That's a I'm terrible you guys idea. A frame of reference. It, it's a 2013 horror movie by Mike Flanagan. Uh, it started out as a short film that eventually got turned into an actual movie. Uh, it stars Karen Gillan and Britton. Waits, which I've never seen him in anything else, but I'm in love with Karen Gillan. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, she she was great. The kid actors were really good, I thought. Um, spooked me. A suspense from the beginning to the end. I mean, it, it's slow in the beginning, but it picks up about, I would say, 15 minutes in, and from that point, it's like fucking terrifying nonstop. Yeah, I mean... From my perspective, I say 15 minutes is the beginning. I think it's pretty much spooky from beginning to end. Like, you know, 15 minutes is like the credit. Yeah. But anyways, whatever. Yeah, okay. Perspective. Split hairs. Perspective. Uh, you know. But no, I, so Ben and I watched this. I guess you watched it before you watched it with I me, I saw it right? in theaters. Ben saw it in theaters. I saw it when Ben had a bootleg DVD of it. And uh, it was a really awful, awful night that night. On top of it, there was a bunch of stuff happening in my house that was bad. And then to watch that, like, on top of everything, it was really unsettling. It was such a brutal evening. And uh, watching it again now, it was honestly even spookier because I was able to focus on it. But, yeah, definitely one of those movies, like, in that top five, top ten best of the last decade, like, the new It, that, um, It Follows, The Witch, mm-hmm. and, uh, the yeah, Void. The Witch. <laughs> okay. The Boy's up there. And The Void. Although, it's, it was, the movie is, is, it's got the trappings of horror, but it's never really spook, spook City in the same kind of way that It Follows is, like, truly terrifying. Well, the the cultists are pretty scary. Yeah. Eh, the, I, I thought the flashing, like, between them being kids and them being adults and, like, the just the unsettling, blurred reality that it presents you really, really was good. Yeah, it was, it was like, what the fuck? is happening. Where are we? What's going on? What have they seen? What's real? It was directed very well, and I know um, the, the guy who directed it, there's actually a couple of things that have come out since then, only one of which uh, that I've seen that he did, and I didn't really care for it, but it's gotten uh, really good reviews. He also did the movie Hush, which came out in 2016, um, which is about a deaf mute girl who, Helen oh, Invader in a mask. Um, Helen Keller. Pretty much. And then he did Gerald's Game, which I have yet to see, but is on Netflix. Huh. And I've heard it's really good. It's based on a Stephen King novel. Well, I have to say, for my own taste, I like any movie that deals with perception, which is this movie's, like, whole bag. Mm-hmm. So 
anytime you're questioning like who you are, uh, what you've done, what's happening, it all rings uh, true to my experience with disassociative hallucinogens and the terrifying world I lived in for a long time where like that kind of stuff, I mean I was never eating light bulbs and other things like that, but um, the, the sort of like malaise of I don't know what's going on or what I'm seeing, what's real, and like especially for me it was a lot of blending of like my trips with my memories, with my dreams, with my real life. <clears throat> was like this really intense like three-year period where that was like a constant thing for me mm-hmm. so those movies always speak to me and I can understand it like I don't believe in the supernatural but I I believe in like what heavy drug usage will do to your brain in life and like it's pretty freaking terrifying mm-hmm. so I like it a lot it's a movie that totally is my bag 100% yeah yeah that spooked me I I would give it five out of five ghouls yeah I'd give it a I'd give, it, I'd give it a solid 5 out of 5 uh, spooky mirrors who want McDonald's. Yeah, I'd say, for me, <clears throat> I don't know that I could give it 5. Like, it's really close to 5. Mm. Maybe I'm splitting hairs again. But I would say, like, 4.75 broken light bulbs in the mouth out of 5. Mm. Dick Fetty the barber over here just splitting every hair he can. Yeah, well, I don't know. Like, Why just, would you take that point three off? Uh... It's like it's hard for me to call a movie perfect like there are movies that I love so much more than that Like that movie is really really good, but it doesn't like shake my soul the way Mm. Tarkovsky stalker did or uh, The Revenant or movies like that. Mm -hmm. So in terms of horror I mean, I guess yeah, like I don't know I've given some pretty high ratings to some pretty shitty Italian films. We've watched so maybe my rating systems (laughs) But it's like blade in the dark (laughs) 10 out of 5. <laughs> yeah, right. Oculus, no, I don't know, 4.5 I'm going with. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's hard for me to, like, say what exactly it is, but there's some movies that, like, speak to my soul on a core level, and that one definitely speaks my language, but it, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, like, it just doesn't tap into the into that part of my brain. Like, the, my favorite movies, <laughs> I watch them, and they make me want to kill myself after. Right, now, I feel like, that isn't the appropriate response. Well, that's not the right metric for measuring no. movies. To be fair, as far as like the the good the good modern day horror movies that come out, it's a lot less metaphorical and it, 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 allegorical. Yeah, uh, it, this is just a straight horror movie. That's yeah. all there is to yeah. it. It's a really well done horror movie, but it's not like it follows where it has like a lot of subtext to it, and there's like a lot of other things going on, and like a lot of I don't know. I love we that watch movie. It yeah, we could. I mean, uh, and, and I that's, will always watch that. Yeah. That's the thing that, like, to me, like, I like this better. Like, I really like the new it, and I appreciated the level of gore they had. Like, that movie was brutally violent. Yeah. I mean, so was this movie, but that movie had more of a budget and more of an ability to do that. Yeah. Um, but I would say I liked it as much, maybe even more than the new it. Whereas it follows was so its own universe of a yeah. movie and so like special in that way that. To me, like, that's definitely, like, I'd give it follows, 5 out of 5, no problem. Yeah. And The Witch, easily 5 out of 5. I really would, because, like, The Witch visually, like, the whole universe of the movie is entirely itself. And this movie exists perfectly fine within itself, but The Witch, like, transports me to what it would be like to be yeah. in Puritan well, times. I think it's, you know, The Witch and It Follows are good movies. Oculus is a good horror, horror movie. Yeah. yeah, I agree. You know, because, yeah. like, everything about... The Witch and it follows. It's 
from the way it's directed to the way that, you know, everything's set up first shot, the music, the acting, like, everything about those movies is really, really, really well done and meticulously thought out. Like I said, this is just a very, very good horror yeah. movie. Yeah. I need to watch The Witch again. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. But we could watch It Follows next. Yeah, yeah we should definitely uh, watch It Follows next. That's... Right, by far, probably my favorite modern-day horror movie. Marley and Me. Marley yeah. and Me. We're going to mix it up. Yeah, coming at you with some hot, hot, hot rocks. Flex said that if we don't watch Marley and Me for our next movie she review, she's going to kill us yeah. with her flexing abilities. Yeah, she said that. She said she was going to crush our no. bones and make her bread. And she's going <laughs> to stab us to death with her pointy elbows. No, yeah. I do have pointy... Her chin's sharp, too. She can pop a beer with that bad boy. I got a lot of angles. I know, that's what I like about you, like a greyhound on heels. <laughs> Alright. Um, Dick Fetty's Disco Dick Box. Dick Fetty's wah, wah, wah. Disco Box. No, 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 stop, stop. We're, we're, we're getting into copyright territory. Sorry. Bump. You can bump. <laughs> you can bump. You can bump. Okay, this is painful. <laughs> Once again, we apologize. Uh, we aren't going to be doing Flex Lexus, Flex Lexus Public Domainia. Uh, I can talk about the ABCs real quick if you no, want me to. I don't. You're not. You're not prepared. I'm not right. prepared. Yeah. So, anyways, I am. Um, this week's musical focus for me stems from a conversation I had with a buddy from Finland who was visiting last week and we got into discussing top three black metal albums and it was really hard for me to pick them especially because I was trying to lean towards classics but I really prefer a lot of stuff that's post 2005 and has a lot of extra elements and whatever but when I thought of like classic Norwegian black metal for me the band that got me into black metal and sort of mentally is so classic even though a lot of people hate them is Gogoroth who are a Norwegian second wave band and uh my personal favorite album that they put out was under the sign of hell which is a 1997 release it was their third album and um it's really like brutal but also they always have this kind of uh like if i was in like a carriage with like skeleton steeds and and i was going to like some like grim castle in living the dream northern mountains yeah like this is this is the music because it's like got this epic and kind of uh I don't know, like, um, how can I put it, uh, dynamic, like, classical, I, there's a word I'm, I'm not finding, but, anyways, it's really fucking good, mm-hmm. and the drums on the album, they sound like, he's got, like, these two big pieces of wood, like, not drumsticks, just, like, two big ass, and he's, like, whacking on a trash can, <laughs> like, the snare is this brutal, unrelenting sound, oh my god, and, uh, it was like you had the album on, yeah, and it's really, really good, and there's a bunch of, like, weird parts, and these, like, kind of, like, ambient interludes mixed in, and they kind of took that further in the next couple albums, where people really started to hate it, but for me, I've always enjoyed it, and so, Gorgoroth has been my mainstay lately, Under the Sign of Hell would be my primary recommendation as a place to start, the first two albums are way more, like, classic second wave black metal, Pentagram's probably the better of the two, and then their later stuff is pretty solid up until the time Gaul left, and then there was the whole big legal battle with the name. And uh, if you've ever watched the true Norwegian black metal documentary on Vice, you've seen Gaul and King of Hell um, interviewed along with Frost. It's an interesting documentary, although the dudes from Vice are like so fucking annoying. And the guy, Gaul, who used to be their singer, 
he's kind of a fucking idiot too. So I recommend not watching that because it <laughs> might ruin your ability to enjoy the music. But you know, from a just a musical standpoint, to me they're a band that they they were about what they're about. They're about Satan. They're about procreating Satan, praising Satan, saying Satan's name a bunch in all their songs. So they're about Satan. They're, they they are about Satan, as they say <laughs> in the documentary. And uh, really fucking good shit. And it's really nice to be back into it because I haven't really listened to Gogoroth in, I don't know, like a year at least. So it was a, it was a good reminder of like how I got to the musical taste I have now. Gogoroth were one mm. of the gateways. And the other album that's like the most hated in their discography is Insipid Satan. And... It's kind of terrible, but it's kind of totally awesome, so I definitely recommend, like, checking it out if you want something that's got a lot of, like, industrial interludes mixed in, but they're, like, kind of shitty and corny a little bit, but at the same time, like, triumphant and epic, mm-hmm. and it's good, it's good stuff. There's Norwegian chanting. I always like that. I can't wait until episode 40 when you go through a disco phase again, and you just wait to do a disco album, everyone's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. yeah. What well, happened to Dick Fetty? I mean, it's it's winter time now, so techno's going to take over any day now. It's, yeah, it's true. just a matter of when. But also, I love to praise Satan as it comes closer to Christmas, so we may have uh, AOSOP and some other heavy hitters coming up in my disco box. So, yeah. I mean, it is called Dick Fetty's Disco Box, so mm-hmm. I guess it shouldn't be a total curveball. Yeah. I yeah. love Boogie Disco. Or if disco. you throw in, like, a smooth jazz album out of it. I don't like smooth jazz. I know you don't, but it'd be funny. Yeah, but Hall it would Notes? Well, Hall Notes is great. They're a fantastic band. They're yeah, smooth jazz. Yeah, I like if you threw them in one. It's called Blue-Eyed Soul. Mm. We'll, we'll get there. I'm not there. forcing anything. Okay. okay. Hey, I'm not asking you to. But I do love Hall Notes. Public Domania is still in the works, though. <laughs> We'll get back to that. We're workshopping it. We're workshopping so it. So today we're talking about mass hysteria. Um, awesome topic. A lot of examples to cite. So what I did here, what I'm going to do is I had picked my mass hysteria that I was going to go over and then I could find very little information on it um, other than basic pre- pretext. I read five or six articles that all said the same thing, but I got a little bit from each. Um, so I'm going to go over... Just a, a few that have happened throughout history, and we can talk about them, so I'm not just doing one. Um, and then you guys can go into what you've focused on, but I think this will be a good way to start it off. Um, that was my abstract, as we'd say, in the academic world. It's not a big deal. I go to college. Yeah, you do. Um, She's so smart. <laughs> so, in sociological and psychological context, mass hysteria is also known as collective hysteria, group hysteria, or collective obsessional behavior, is defined as a phenomenon that transmits collective illusions of threats, whether real or imaginary, through a population in society as a result of rumors and fear, also known as memory acknowledgement. Ooh. Okay? Um, it's also a term used in medicine because most frequently mass hysteria manifests as illness, um, it's known as mass psychogenic illness or epidemic hysteria. So, like, most recently we see people who think they're all suffering from the same disease or they're all suffering from the same symptoms. Um, what is really funny is that the term hysteria... Can, can you guess, okay, um... Who's what, directing me? What Greek word this is... is it's, it's hystera, but would you know what it means? This is something to do with ladies. Yeah, lady parts. It, a, it has to if you get a hysterectomy, part. isn't that when you get your ovaries and all that taken out? Um, uterus. Is it uterus? It's uterus. Yeah. But aren't ovaries connected to that? Um, I'm not going to embarrass myself publicly on the air and try and describe anatomy. 
I mean, okay. we could find a sex worker and find out. Yeah. Are we gonna kill someone? No. I mean, just you know, like it's a live intersection. I just think that's so funny. Um, yeah, so well, because it, you know, women are hysterical, right? And so you're removing the hysteria from them. They're lady bits. Well, that's it. They, um, it's attributed to uh, Hippocrates. That's how they said it, right? The Hippocrates. Hippocrates. God, that's so embarrassing. That's I wish right. I don't say things out loud. Socrates. Why is this whole? So- I know Socrates? it's Socrates. <laughs> How do you say it? Hippocrates? <laughs> I just Hippocrates? said Hippocrates. Hippocrates. But it was coined by him, but the association with the uterus goes all the way back to um, forever. Egyptian Since stuff. The uterus. 1900 BC. That was so, when they invented the uterus. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Wow. Because so before so that, they were just using it as a, a bag to carry stuff in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That would be really handy. And storks brought babies in Sumerian times prior to the Egyptian civilization. Interesting. A lot of people didn't know that. And that's why it's so hard to decode the Sumerian language. Right. Besides the fact that they use um, tenses and word structure in a way that we can't understand from yeah. the modern language It was written by birds. No, this is that's a, not it. I feel like you're both lying. Well, no, no, no. This part's true about the Sumerian language, but... You can't just go from a lie fluidly into fact. I actually it's I do all it all facts. the time. Yeah, I'm pretty good at it, but uh, that's fine. We'll move on. So... bogged down in this lady Basically, it identified the cause of hysterical disorders as being the spontaneous movement of the uterus to various locations within the female bodies. So they thought your uterus was jumping all over the place. What? <laughs> that's what was that making you hysterical. That sounds so cool. <laughs> no. I mean, that's just so funny. That's so funny. Like we're gonna, we're gonna talk about the part where what doctors used to prescribe for women yeah, hysteria. Yeah, they would masturbate them. Yeah. God. That's I know, so creepy. Great. Oh, creepy. Come yeah. here, lady. You're, you're hysterical. Let me put my finger on your clicky spot. Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't make that noise. Okay, so I'm going to go into a few... No, finish. I just did. Okay. A few um, incidences <laughs> here. Um, uh, the Irish Fright. Can you guys guess what this is? Bunch of scared Irish people. No, it's when the Irish were coming here. Not here. Oh, oh, England. Yeah, okay. So basically, it took place in England and parts of Wales in December 1688 during the Glorious Revolution. Um, was it that glorious? It was pretty good. Okay. <laughs> there were false reports that Irish soldiers were burning and massacring English towns. Oh, yeah, I remember this one. Right? I read about this. So it prompted a mass panic in at least 19 counties with thousands of people arming themselves and preparing to resist non-existence group, non-existent groups of marauding Irishmen. So... They were just barricading the doors. But that's crazy and it's a great example of how this shit just spreads. It's also like, you know what is another great example of mass hysteria that I just thought of? Um, when Orson Welles tr- did his first broadcast yes. of War of the Worlds. Yes, I, I was actually considering doing that Oh my god, part, I totally, f- there's so many good <clears throat> ones, yeah. Well, a bridge version from what I know from my memory, because I did absolutely no research, but I don't know what year he did that. When was it, the 1920s? Uh, yeah, I think so. Back when radio was big. Yeah. 1920s radio announcer. <laughs> this just in. Aliens attacking. We're all fucked. Oh. Yeah, and people were like running out into the streets, mm-hmm. like covering their faces because they thought gas was actually coming in and all the People died. Shit. And then uh, yeah. it, they did it again in the UK. Don't quote me on that. No. And I, then more people died. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so um, the Halifax Slasher, um, which you were going to cover. Yeah, I decided not but to. I decided not to, but I'll just briefly go over it. Um, it was a name given to the supposed attacker of residents, mostly women, in the town of Halifax, England in November 1938. It was a week-long scare, and it uh, began after two women claimed to have been attacked by a mysterious man with a mallet and bright buckles on his shoes. Yes. You always look at the shoes. Shawshank Redemption has taught me anything. Well, they really care in England about shoes. That's a big deal mm. in England. And if you got bright buckles on your shoes, you're doing well. In 1938? <laughs> you're doing well. For sure. For sure. So further reports of attacks uh, by a man wielding a knife or razor followed. The situation became so serious that Scotland Yard was called in to assist the Halifax police. Now, what ended up happening here is that the first person who said it had happened, recanted, and said they lied. And then it turns out a bunch of other women had lied as well. Um, but people were like, you know, the Scotland Yard got called in. Well, I think the first woman who actually stated it said that he had a mallet, and then, like, the next people were like, he had a knife. So, which I think is funny, because it's called the Halifax Slasher, and it he had a start mallet. with a knife. Well, and women were, like, cutting themselves <laughs> and saying, like, I got slashed. Been there. So, Yeah. Um, I fell down some steps. So let's uh, feed it, speed it up a little bit. Okay. Um, Is this a read? Well, you know what? To go in chronological order, because I've been doing that, um, let's talk a little bit about the satanic panic of the 80s. Ooh. I think that well, the is... Well, the 90s has been constantly... Well, to. listen, it is definitely... <laughs> you know what? We're not going to get into it. Because I ended up in a rabbit hole. Because to me, that's the greatest example of mass hysteria in... Is it mass hysteria? No. Well, it's called moral hysteria. Well, I... I By, disagree with your point. I don't think that's the best example. Yeah. I think probably the best example are the Salem Witch Trials and Witch Hunts in general, but this is a the perfect one for modern day. Yeah, maybe that's more what I'm trying to say. And it wasn't really... But it was kind of mass hysteria. It wasn't mass hysteria on the scale of, like, War of the Worlds or, like, people dying, but, like, it was... there's It was, like, basically... Um, started from the publicity with the McMartin preschool trials, which was yeah. this one parent was like, my kid is getting molested at your preschool, but the parent was schizophrenic and was saying all this crazy shit about the kids being like flushed down the toilet into a secret room where they were getting molested. They stole 20 giraffes. And, I read about that. Yeah, and like that the guy could fly, and but it got so serious, the cops sent this letter to all these people, like 200 parents. And was like, you need to question your kids about whether or not they were molested. Yeah, and this is where it starts to border on building urban legends. Well, you know what? I had that thought. I had that thought while I was going through all this. I was like, is urban legends and mass hysteria are kind of closely tied in a way. Um, well, that's, I mean, that was the whole reason why we came up with this topic, because we read the Jersey Devil book. And yeah. that's all about, like, the explanation for specifically the 1909 uh, citing for the week was mass hysteria. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I uh, almost did um, Spring Hill Jack as well Yeah. For, for this episode. And, you know, that was definitely, like, huge mass hysteria. But, but urban legends are the catalyst for can, the mass hysteria. Can be, can be. Can be. But, I mean, and that's the, that's the thing that I think is interesting. So the one that I covered, well, it's got a couple different tweaks to it other than the usual mass hysteria but sometimes mass hysteria manifests in physical symptoms yeah. so it's like a lot of the stuff especially in the past 200 years has been like people breaking out into rashes or having symptoms and whatever yeah but then there's other types of mass hysteria where it's more of a psychological and social yeah. kind of 
uh, like mass belief that's wrong mm -hmm. or you know warped or whatever and is like contagious in a psychological sense and that's exact and I think they're both they both stand as testaments to mass hysteria sure yeah and so they're just different they're just different brands yeah. and I it, the one in the 1980s is specific there's also a book called Michelle Remembers which mm -hmm. is about this psychologist who was working with this woman woman on her repressed memories and they uncovered in 1952 and 1953 that her parents were a part of a satanic cult and like watched she watched sacrifices and they rubbed like dead babies on her and it was all this crazy shit Ooh, the psychologist ended up getting discredited and then he married the woman his patient so it's like they were like none of this actually happened but it was a published book which if you guys can remember please get me michelle remembers for my birthday somehow um man you've been asking <laughs> for a lot for your birthday today what else did I ask for? I don't know. You already forgot it. Now I never asked for that. Um, okay, so May 2006. Um, oh, just to go back to that for a second. It, it lasted for a span of almost 10 years, the satanic panic. Yeah. And, like, nothing happened. Like, nothing... Like, there's... There like, was no, nothing substantial. Nothing substantial, which is the crazy... I mean, and I guess that's the same thing with urban legends. Like, my mom telling me... You know, don't ever flash your high beams because she really believed that. Well, you know? the, the main reason I'm an idiot and always cited the '90s is due to the uh, the West Memphis Three. Right. Cause yeah, which I mean, everything takes longer in the South anyway. So yeah. that that and it, <laughs> I mean, it's a question of like other stuff, but that's I don't want to say it's education. There are other things that allow um, superstitious beliefs to take hold in certain communities more than others. And it's like the whole premise of True Detective, for example, works so well because there's a long history of voodoo magic and all mm -hmm. that kind of shit in Louisiana. Yeah. Alabama is not a hotbed of anything other than, I'm not, you know, for those out in Alabama, it's a wonderful place, but, I uh, lived there. Yeah. It was right. good. But you know what I mean? Like, uh, was it, was it Arkansas? West Memphis three. Wasn't it Arkansas? It was in West Memphis. Which is... Tennessee. No, it's not, though. I think it's in Arkansas. Well, I'm gonna look it up. Okay. Anyway, please continue. Well, yeah, I just wanted to briefly touch on the satanic panic. I also put the witch trials down, but we're, we're in 2006 now, and that's like a whole other episode on its own. So, um, so May 2006, an outbreak of the uh, so-dubbed Morangos con Ecuar virus which Arkansas. Sorry. Yeah, see, I thought I wasn't crazy. Why did I start? I don't know. I'm sorry. I saw you both looking at your phones. Yeah. So it's the, the strawberries with sugar virus. Have you heard of this one? I have. It's very interesting. Um, it happened in Por uh, Portugal. It was recorded um, in Portuguese school. Um, so basically there was this popular teen girl show called Strawberries with Sugar. And mm. this um, episode came out where a life-threatening virus affected the school depicting in the show. And after that, 300 or more students at 14 schools reported similar symptoms to those experienced by the characters, um, which included rashes, difficult breathing, and dizziness. The belief that there was a medical outbreak forced some schools to temporarily close. Um, and then the Portuguese National Institute for Medical Emergency dismissed the illness as mass hysteria. But that's fucking crazy. Also, great name for a show. Sounds way dirtier than it probably Strawberry is. Strawberry Okay. Um, late 2011, 12 high school girls developed Tourette-like symptoms. Um, and that happens all the time to high school girls. And yeah. I thought that was a middle school thing to start blurting out, penis, <laughs> penis. 
Their schools were tested for toxins mm. and other factors. They just found a bunch of nasty girls. <laughs> yeah, basically. Oh. The only toxins were their uh, attitude. The case and some of the girls and their parents gained national media attention. Um, in January 2012, several more students and a 36-year-old adult female came forward with similar symptoms. They were all diagnosed with conversion disorder. Conversion disorder is a neurological disorder where you basically make up physical symptoms. So it's kind it's of... like it's somatic. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. Um, I read a little bit about it. I don't think I explained that very well, but Google it. And of Do your course, own research. Just what you want from a research <laughs> podcast. <laughs> the internet is free. Not um, for long. That neutrality is going down. Don't know if you heard. That's another episode. Yeah. Oh, if the, if well, if we're allowed to ever yeah. post it, yeah. Um, okay, we're going to round it out here, and then I'm going to go in the one that I actually looked into with the great clown panic okay. of 2016. Ooh, the clown panic? You don't remember this last year? Oh, no, yeah, I do. I was, I, I heard about it. I was just throwing off, I thought you were doing meowing. No, notes. it's, I am doing that. I'm going to get to that. Okay. But I wanted I to talk it. about it because it's cited on Wikipedia as one of, of, an example of mass hysteria. And it's true, it's kind of like, it's not this satanic panic in that, the moral reasons, but like nobody went out and killed someone because of this. But like, it, for several weeks in 2016, it was like, there are clowns in the woods and they're going to kill you. Um... And that was, and I shrugged it off and was like, "There's no killer clowns," but like some people really believed it. And well, it was out in Cali, right? It was everywhere. Yeah, I remember hearing about sightings in Pennsylvania, up in North Jersey. Like people were seeing the shit everywhere. And then teenagers, obviously, were dressing up as clowns and like going out. I love teenagers. Yeah, teenagers scare the shit out of me. They have <laughs> nothing to lose. If I see a group of teenagers on the street, I cross the street. Well, what's every funny? Time. What's funny about the clown thing is, um, it's. It happened a while ago, too, like, years ago, there was, I'm gonna butcher this because I don't remember any of it, but, like, Did maybe... Did shit up now? No, no, look it up. Google it. There, this, this wasn't, like, the first, like, fear of clowns thing that happened. Um, it happened a very long time ago, um, where people were stating that they saw these clowns, and they were driving around in vans and stealing children, and... But I think that's the classic case of, like... Oh yeah, no, there's a backing for this, but like it's a really vague, like it's it's the classic urban legend. Yeah. Oh, well, then I remember twenty years ago when people were clowning clowning around. Well, well, the reason like I, I find it interesting wiki. is I'm not gonna look it up during the episode. Show me the wiki. Don't show me the wiki. Yeah, okay. okay. What, what do you want from me? <laughs> the, the reason I find it interesting is because uh, the thing I decided to do my part on um, happens in many different areas. Uh, over the course of years. Yeah. So it's it's interesting that, you know, these kind of, like, there's certain mass hysterias that just keep rearing Popping their heads. Yeah. Well, yeah, when I was reading into it on Wikipedia, um, I just think it's great to say the Great Clown Panic of 2016. Like, yeah. maybe my favorite sentence. <laughs> That's a good brand name, too. Yeah, it really it's is. It's a good name. But, um, Clown Panic? Yeah. No, I can't remember what panic I was going to say. And you guys threw me off. I had a point to make. You're thinking about clown porn now. You mean porn? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's porn without clowns? <laughs> um, okay, so what I wanted to talk about um, is mass hysteria that happened in the Middle Ages. Um, so, basically one of the main, like, backings for mass hysteria is stress, right? So they say... Um, 
Mm-hmm. People are I, some of the stuff I read, and uh, quite a few of the things I read was like started by saying, you know, mass hysteria occurs when people are under stress in some way or another. So I, I'm thinking, right? So nuns aren't, aren't we all under stress though? Yeah, I guess. It's called being an adult. I'm not a doctor. You know, okay. I never claimed to be a doctor. I'm not saying you did. Okay, I'm just. Just tell how, about, how about is your new nickname Dr. Flex Lex? I don't like Dr. Flex. Uh, Dr. Flex. Dr. Flex. Now you're a wrestler. So Ooh, during the Middle Ages, many nuns were many. forced into convents by their parents. Yeah, they should okay. get thee to a nunnery, am I right? Often stressed by lifestyle, not of their choosing. That was the uh, precursor to panic at the disco. Give mm. to a nunnery. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. Yeah. Google it. Panic of the Disco yeah. got started because of Shakespeare. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Okay. Um, right, so it demands celibacy, poverty, hard manual labor. So It's just free labor. That's okay. what it is. The yeah. church was built on that. So, what, my early 20s? Yeah. Understood. A nun in a French convent inexplicably began to meow like a cat. Just no. one of them. Right? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, like that. Um, which shortly led to other nuns in the convent also meowing. This is a fun way to express my love for Christ. <laughs> Eventually, all the nuns would meow together for a certain period every day. And the community around them was like, are you fucking serious? This, um, is, what, this is what you, you know, do in church? <laughs> Here's the thing, though. If that happened today, people would be like, that is so Yeah, You are we, the best is nun. It, is this like a cafe? Do you guys have a cafe? Nun-cafe. The nun-cafe. I feel like that's just a friend convention. Oh, that's our private room. Yeah. Dude, we could be this nunnery convent. That's the thing. When we go to the furry convention next year in Pittsburgh, yeah. we'll fucking get a room and uh-huh. we'll call it whatever that convent was called. We'll do uh-huh. some deep research. And then all everybody, it'll be like a nun-furry fucking combo pack. I like that. I love that. This is going to be the so best hard. weekend ever. Yeah. I really can't wait for us to go to furry. Yeah. Weekend. It's going to be awesome. I was this close to being like, hey guys, we should play the new Sonic game because you can create a fursona. Then I was like... They're just going to call me an idiot. Because that game's garbage anyway. Yeah, anyway, moving on. I love Personas. Yeah, but nobody loves the new I Sonic. I haven't even thought about what my Persona would be. So anyway, the... Um, Something strong. <laughs> like a... Like a Rhinoceros. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't like that. We'll get back to it. Reba the Rhinoceros. Okay. The concerned neighborhood of Christian descent was... Belief. Whatever. I was very concerned. Um, <laughs> the, concerned the concerned neighborhood was very concerned. Can you, uh, this tonight on 1920's Radio Announcer. Well, it's when you're full of concern, see. Go on. <laughs> so, uh, did you use it in a sentence? So, soldiers. She just did twice. So, <laughs> soldiers were called in to try to contain the situation. What? Well, they were already contained in a fucking convent. Yeah, so the nuns were whipped oh, and oh. whipped and beaten nice. until they promised to cease making the earpieces. Bad kitty. I bet. <laughs> yeah. Bad kitty. Every night, like, when everybody goes to bed, oh, the village goes to bed, they're just in their, like, nun quarters. Well, yeah. the reason that cats yowl in the middle of the night is because they're trying to mate, so, I mean, yeah. maybe. You know. Foxy nuns. And I feel like I've seen this porn. <laughs> During this era, um, belief it. in possession was common, and in France, cats were often viewed as being in allegiance with the devil. So they were all really concerned. And yeah, so that's pretty much the long and short of it. 
Um, they got their asses kicked for meowing, and I guess that shut them up. We have to watch the devils. Yeah, we do. You'd like it. Would I? Yeah. It's if really, you like meowing the nuts, awesome you'll like the devils. Yeah, it's so good. That movie's fucking, and the best mustache on film. Yeah, most Even better than Tom Selleck yeah. or Burt Reynolds. Wow. It yeah. actually got Frank to grow a mustache for a little while. Oh, I had the mustache, I just cut mm. the beard off. Yeah, but you, you gave up pretty quick. Yeah, well, because it was... You know, we're not going to get into it, I'm still a little upset. Still a little bitter. I think I've seen pictures of that, and, and from what I saw, it was really creepy. Uh, that movie rules. No, I meant the mustache. Oh, oh no, I've cool. got a close-up of it if you want to see it. We can post it on the Instagram. It's yeah, fun. post it on the Instagram. I'll post it on the Instagram. I'll send it to you after, the after we finish uh, recording this. <laughs> so, yeah, those are the Meowing Nuns of the Middle Ages. And meow. some aw- some other meow. awesome... Meowing and Sightings. <laughs> so, Ben? Uh, yeah, I, I will go next. Go. So, um... Uh, Flex and I were talking earlier about the issue of how straightforward the mass hysteria stories we found. So I did a little bit more digging into mine. Um, so I'm not going to get to the specific one yet. I'm going to start out with uh, a type of mass hysteria, which has happened quite a few times, called Dancing Mania. Ooh. Which sounds like a movie from the 70s. Yeah. Um, I watched that. Flashdance hysteria. It's also known as Dancing Plague, mm. Coro, Cor- Choreomania. St. John's Dance, and historically, St. Vitus's Dance. Oh, St. Vitus, that's a great band. Yeah. Uh, it was a social phenomenon that occurred primarily in mainland Europe between the 14th and 17th centuries. Mm. So like I said, it happened a lot. Uh, it involved groups of people dancing erratically. Sometimes thousands of them were doing it at once, Jeez. which is crazy. Um, and it affected everybody, men, women, children, uh, and they all just kept dancing until they would pretty much fall over. And um, one of the first major outbreaks, what are you doing over there? I feel a uh, dancing mania coming <laughs> on. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so one of the first occurrences happened in 1374, the Holy Roman Empire, and then quickly spread through Europe. Um, and it cites in my research, uh, I pulled some of these articles from Wikipedia, I pulled some of them from Britannica, and some of them from History.com, because like I said, there really wasn't that much uh, on the specific instance that I thought was pretty interesting. But uh, anyway, it happened to a lot of people for pretty much centuries, and um, it wasn't isolated, like it was well documented in uh, more contemporary reports as well. But no one really understood why it happened. Now, can I can I separate there? Is this a white people phenomena? Is this like white Europe and then America? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, so it's, it, bad, it was, it's bad dancing. Yeah, it was the fourteenth to seventeenth century. Yeah. So it was a lot no of white people. Yeah. No. I mean, you know. Did they just all do the seizure? Well, here's my that's favorite. my favorite. Here's one of my favorite things about this is um, so sometimes to help ward off the mania. <laughs> like, they just have musicians come in and start playing, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, some de- guy would be on a fiddle and be like, dee, 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 and then it'd get worse, and they'd be like, oh no, we need to stop this. <laughs> like, people are already dancing, let's add music to it. Yeah. That'll make it better. Well, the thing that causes people rhythm. to dance. Yeah, but I mean, I they were all gonna, yeah, anyway. This is the same people that, they had all sorts of crazy, they masturbated women to get rid of their hysteria. These people yeah. knew how to cure illnesses. I don't know. It's like you're being and dance your, your 
<laughs> so anyway, uh, there's a few theories because there's no concrete proof as to like what happened. Some of them are a lot weirder than others. Some of them are religious cults um, mm -hmm. being behind it. Uh, and then, you know, some people say it was just a way for people to release stress and um, not think about how poor they were. But yeah. uh, one of the main things that people think it was was... Just trying to stay warm in the cold winter. Mm. Well, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mass psychogenic illness, mm -hmm. um, which has physical symptoms and some don't. But uh, another one is essentially people eating bad bread that had hallucinogenic mold. Oh, like the rye? Nice. Yeah, rye bread. Sweet. What? I mean, have you ever danced on acid? No. Uh, yeah, really? I danced. No. I danced when I was looking down south. I took acid one night and danced with the entire house. You danced on Molly. I danced on Molly. It's a hallucinogen. Is it? Yeah, yes. It's both a hallucinogen and nupper. That's what makes it so great. It is the best. Yeah. So, well, it's not the best, but anyway, this is a different episode. But the point being that everybody knows that being on drugs makes dancing better. That's why people do drugs. They're like, I just want to. I just want to be a better dancer. Mm -hmm. That's true. All those ballerinas. So I won't get like too much into the, like the academic stuff about this because honestly, it's not that interesting. Oh, okay. Well, one man's interesting is another man's story. All right, fine, story. fine. I'll do it anyway. So dancing mm -hmm. mania is derived from the term choreomania, uh -huh. the Greek choros, dance, and mania, madness, dance madness. Yeah. How is this boring? This is great. <laughs> yeah. All right, fine. It's called learning. Um. So, it was. The term was coined by Paracelsus, Paracelsus, and the condition was initially considered a curse sent by a saint, usually Saint John the Baptist or Saint Vitus, mm. and was therefore known as Saint Vitus's dance or Saint John's dance. Mm. Um, victims of the dancing mania often enter their processes at places dedicated to that saint, who was prayed to in an effort to end the dancing because. You know, I'm just picturing someone like, please, oh, oh, please, please stop, please, Saint John, please, Saint John the Baptist. I can't, I can't stop the groove. <laughs> my only regret is I didn't cure my bonitis. That's like that's what that makes me think of. But I like that it's again, it's the classic <laughs> medieval thinking. Ah, we gotta go to the source to get the cure. The guy who made you dance, the the Lord of the <laughs> Dance, Saint Vitus, if you will, is like, oh, we'll pray to Saint Vitus to make us stop. Like I, I don't, just. I just like the idea of these saints like looking down from heaven, and be like, "These motherfuckers need some curses." No, I want to make them dance. You know what? We're hardcore Catholics. You know what's evil? Dance. No. Let's make them do Cath it so they can't Catholics stop. Catholics weren't that. It was the Protestants. It was all the yeah, uh, Puritans. Yeah, even in like the 1500s. Yeah, 1500s. I mean the Catholics were less fun, but by that time Catholicism was so fucking watered down. Are you kidding? And that's why they had the whole Reformation. Catholicism was like a pay-to-play fucking morality system. It was mm -hmm. awesome. It really was. You could buy your way out of purgatory. Yeah. They made them purgatory in the first place yeah. just so they could sell you a way out of it. They're like the ultimate snake oil salesman. Why do you think Jews like money so much? We already know we're fucked. Do you yeah. know why hatred of Jews started? Uh, this is a totally different thing. Because my people suck. No, no. That's the not nose, it. She winked at me. Because I like to go on record saying Flex Luxa winked at me when I said no, that's I not true. No, I did not. Because, well, historically, like, they had their roots in banks and stuff, and, like, people went, like, Jesus went into the money, in the Bible, he has a scene where he goes, he has a scene where he goes <laughs> in, episode? 
Scene one, act two, Jesus enters back. <laughs> he goes and flips the moneylender's table, and it's essentially like, curse on I you. Ain't, I ain't paying my bill, yeah. you son of God. <laughs> Seriously. Yo, can we start doing and that? And basically people no. took their cues from that. And the Jews were forced into Poland because the king, because Poland was super, super desolate. And the king and was like, sucks. "Guys, get over here. Let's do this thing. I need people in my country." And they're like, "I guess we'll we go can there." Run your bank. Yeah, but um, I'm pretty sure people hated Jews before Jesus. You know, the Egyptians enslaved them and stuff like that. Yeah. No, they hate us. We were just really good at building stuff. Well, you were just they weren't you weren't paying people. Yeah, well, and you weren't Egyptian, so it was like a lot better. Like, look at these guys. They're different than us. I bet we could put them to work in backbreaking labor and make them part of our pyramids. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And we, we did it good. I mean, I'm sure that that's one of the, the reinforced things. I mean, it's the same thing with like them being involved, banks, jewelry, all that stuff. Like, they have historical roots and all that. Yeah. And then, if you hold money, people hate you. Yeah. So, you know. But anyway, that's... Sorry, that that's was totally off. Anyway, okay. back bad. to Dancing Fever. <laughs> right. So uh, I thought it was Dance Madness. madness. I'm yeah. just going to throw a bunch of different terms. I love it. <laughs> okay. I love it. I want to dance now. Can I, I put the techno back this on? This is mass no, hysteria. Not yet. It's not happening. Yet. It's already happening. I want to dance too. Yeah. Oh, God. You guys are going to think this is less fun when I get to the stories. They dance themselves to death, right? One of the earliest outbreaks was the 7th century... Uh, through the 17th century when it, it just kind of stopped uh, but there were some in the 13th century uh, including one in 1237 in which a large group of children traveled from Erfurt to Erfurt Arnstadt ah, Erfurt about, to Arnstadt yeah, that well old track road. Uh, which is about 20 kilometers which um, is a span uh, <laughs> my guy. They were jumping. I don't, come on, metric system, pussies. Anyway, they were jumping and dancing the whole way, and uh, it marks similarities to the legend of the Pied Piper of Hamlet. Hamlet. Ham, Ham, what happened to these the Pied kids? Pipers? Um, it doesn't really say, but they're fine. I guess they just skipped. It, it just it just mentions the Pied Piper in the article I pulled, and then it was fine. Interesting. Anyway, uh, there's another incident incident in 1278 involving about 200 people dancing on a bridge over river. Why are these all in horrible countries like, where I can't name these places? Love to get in a time machine and go stand like across from the bridge. And that's just, how raving started. Yeah, some guy took a time machine back to the past and was like, "This is dance madness. I've got a whole new way to dance." <laughs> It was just one guy who invented techno who went back in time. <laughs> anyway, uh-huh. so this happened on a bridge over the river Meuse in uh-huh. Germany, uh, resulting in its collapse. So they danced Holy so hard, shit. they brought down the bridge. Did they all die? Uh, this is also when they made bridges out of like ropes and imagination. <laughs> no, this is Germany. It was uh, built out of bones. Um, <laughs> anyway. Many of the survivors were restored to full health at a nearby chapel dedicated to good old St. Vitus. Ooh. Ooh! Mr. Vitus. Yeah, guy. right? And then there were some uh, outbreaks that happened between 1373 and 1374 with incidents reported in England, Germany, and the Netherlands. Mm. Um, 
then there was one of the biggest ones in Aachen, Germany, before spraying to other places. This was on June 24, 1374. So it actually started in Germany and then sprayed, uh, sprayed, <laughs> uh, Spray my spread jam. to spread. Kolobny. Kolobny? Kolobny? Sure. Cologne. 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 Oh, Cologne. Cologne. Yeah. Cologne. <laughs> Flanders, Franconia. These are a bunch of places. It spread all over mm -hmm. the place to Italy and Luxembourg. Mm. So this is like something that like it spread like a disease. Um. Anyway, That's moving on. Great, dude. Yeah, and there's like all these instances where it, you know, would spread across country lines and like hundreds of people. I'm just picturing it as like dance across America. You know, it's just like people are passing on the groove. Dance it's, not the, America, it's not the Olympic choice. You're thinking of hands across America. <laughs> Why is there no dance across America? Because of this. St. Vitus won't allow it. It's too much dancing. We'll push this country into the ocean. Or we'll tip over the earth since it's flat. Mm. So there are some studies <clears throat> done on this. And uh, one of my favorite excerpts from these studies is Bartholomew notes that some paraded around naked, air quotes, and made obscene gestures. Some even had sexual intercourse. Others acted like animals and jumped, hopped, and leaped about. Leaped about. Guys were just jerking in and streets. Well, I mean, it, it's okay. Yeah, no, it's fine. Dance madness. Why don't you put down your shears for a second? Stop splitting all them hairs. Mm. Mm, that was, that was, I'll take a high five for that. Yeah. But you didn't do anything for that. Shears, that was a good reference. Sickest references. Yeah, was, that, was that even a reference? To shears. I've got the sickest references. <sighs> Anyway, uh, there's a there's a similar phenomenon there's a similar <laughs> phenomenon called tarantism. This one's fun. Is that when you become a tarantula? Close. Thinking. So you walk in Italy, like a spider on your back, you crab walk. In Italy, there was victims claiming that they'd been poisoned by a tarantula or a scorpion. Ooh. Right, and the only antidote. Was dance. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the best movie of all time. It had to be to particular music to separate the venom from the blood. <laughs> I love the Middle Ages. <laughs> I mean, other than being poor. This was the 13th century. <laughs> okay, I love it. I love it. You gotta dance the venom out of your blood. I mean, what else? That's what I do now. That's what I do at it, work it every day. It actually kind of makes sense in the sense of like, well, I don't know. It feels like that would circulate the venom everywhere, but yes, it would. <laughs> it would make it worse. <laughs> If okay. you're poisoned, you don't want to jump around. Yeah. Yeah. It makes your heart beat, <laughs> spreads anyway. Huh. So, <laughs> so this apparently only occurred in the summer months. And, uh, yeah, apparently they thought it was brought on by the heat uh, activating the venom. So maybe it was just, like, everywhere between, like, the 13th and 15th century it was, like, footloose and no one was allowed to dance, so they had to make up an excuse. Been working so hard. And honestly, like, this article goes into some depth about some stuff. So, like, even about the musical that was, like, the music that was played during the outbreak. Was it breakbeat or was it breaks? Mm. Or hard trance? Uh, I don't know. Anyway. St. John the Baptist, blah, blah, blah. Uh, let's get to my thing I wanted to talk about but needed to add on to because it was quite short. The Dancing Plague of 1518. Ooh. Oh, classic plague. Now is this a precursor or a follow-up to the bubonic plague? 
Uh, this actually happened after. Okay. Uh, that many people. Yeah. So that. Uh, so this happened in Strasbourg, uh, then a free city within the Holy Roman Empire, now in France. Hmm. Uh, they dance uncontrollably and apparently unwillingly for days on end. The mania lasted for about two months. Two months of straight dance party. Yeah. But imagine that not any one person dances for two months, they die. I'll get there. Okay. I'll get there. Get there. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm at the train station. I bought my ticket. <laughs> I'm ready to take so, the ride. Bring your minds there. Okay. What is now modern day France? Yeah. July 1518. Oh, I hate France. Jeez. Well, back then it was the Holy Roman Empire, so maybe yeah, might have been better. better. It was better. A woman whose name was Frau Trophia, uh, which for some reason in a lot of the articles I read, she was just called Mrs. Trophia. Mm. And I was like, where's this woman's first name? Yeah. Well, why Frau, can't I find Frau it? Frau just means lady. So Frau's not her first name. It's okay, Ben. I didn't know either. <laughs> it's okay. So it's crazy. Okay. <laughs> it's German. <laughs> okay? Okay, so nobody knows. Anyway. <laughs> so I guess no one knows her first name. Thank even God though this, anyway. here. So, That's um, why call me God. I was going to say. This single woman stepped into the streets mm-hmm. and just started to dance. Nice. I'm out here. I'm working it. I'm flexing. <laughs> it's good. This lasted from somewhere between four to six days. Ooh. Within a week, 34 other people had joined, and within a month, there were around 400 dancers. But wow. predominantly female. Do you think they were all choreographed? Do you think they I don't. Together? I don't think this was a flash mob. Oh, no. Okay. Unless this, unless all of these occurrences were the original. Maybe flash mobs are the true modern. Hysteria. But hold on, hold on. No. Second of all, <laughs> second of all, how do they not know between four and six? Did they just not have clocks? Like, I mean, the sun still rose and set, right? Okay. First of all, it was fifteen eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> they can't keep track of days. They weren't. I'm gonna have to side with Ben on this. Oh, so we just don't it's have. It's not like it's not like modern day where everything's stored on the internet forever. Okay. Your dick somewhere out there on the internet, Dick Fetty. I know it. I've seen it. Anyway. It's not. Stop looking so worried. <laughs> so, back. <laughs> I've looked. Um, and I know I've seen it anyway. It's, it's an it makes me want to dance uncontrollably <laughs> yeah. until I pass out Bring and or back. die. Bring it back. So, they're predominantly female. Um, mm-hmm. And some of these people actually died from heart attacks, strokes, or exhaustion. Yeah. One report indicated that the period of the plague killed around 15 people per day. Mm. So imagine, like, all these people are dancing. Some look pretty happy about it, some not so much. And then just, like, people just falling down dead, and they're just like, up, oh, up. Oh. It's like one of the... You remember those old radio contests where it was like, hold your pee for, like, the last person to pee wins, or, like, dance for this amount of time. Oh, like, like, don't take your hand off this thing. Hands on the heart There body, was an yeah. episode of, uh, It's Always Sunny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also community, pop like a bomb. Yeah, yeah. It makes for a great story. But it's also, there's a movie, I've never seen it, I cannot remember the name of the director, but it's on the Criterion Collection, it's called They Shoot Horses, Don't They? And it's supposed to be like a really brutal look at like America, I think in the 70s, mm-hmm. and it's a, it takes place during a dance competition for like that, this kind of, it's like a look at our society yeah. that we value. It's supposed to be really good. Huh. Anyway. So, um, this we was actually... And, you know, Dick Fetty's immediately going to go off when I say this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was documented pretty okay for the time period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nothing? I'm no? Listening. I'm a student. Four to six days? <laughs> anyway. 
and they don't really know why, um, but as it worsened, the nobles and uh, got pretty worried. So they bought, sought advice from local physicians who ruled out astrological and supernatural causes. I love this. And the nobles were just like, oh good, it's not that. <laughs> Some kind of just normal plague. I thought the stars were just like, dance my minions, dance. <laughs> and Satan was in there playing his sexy little fiddle, which I heard he's pretty good at, but that's yeah, the point. Yeah. Except for that one guy who went down to Georgia and beat the devil. Was his name Daniel? Was it? Was it? The devil went down to Georgia to find himself a soul. It's a good song. Great song. Anyway. Touch the boy's butthole. Nope. That's <laughs> not. On a roll. That's not how it goes. That's exactly the words. That's what I was taught. <laughs> so, the doctors, and I love this, uh, announced that the plague was a natural disease caused by hot blood. Yes, what that means, don't know. That's also a good name. So, instead of prescribing, which was prescribed quite a bit back then, uh, no, bleeding. Oh. Bloodletting. Yeah. So, um, that's how they killed George Washington. <laughs> the authorities encouraged yes, more dancing. That's the truth. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, anyway, so instead of doing that, the doctors were like, I don't know, make him dance more. Yeah, dance that out. That'll be fine, right? I mean, yeah, people are dying, but yeah, more more dancing. So they actually opened two guild halls and a grain market, and even constructed a wooden stage. So like, that was dance. The first, that was dance. the first pop lock Do that thing up, mommy, make it roll. Once you pop lock, drop it for me, girl, get low. Mm. Your mama gave it to your baby. We're never gonna get plugged into Mania you are never in the public domain. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. 20 years from now. Well, what is it? 40 plus, like, artists like this 40 So, anyway, they thought that it would only... Uh, they thought that the people afflicted by this would only recover through more dancing, continuously through day and night. Uh, to increase the effectiveness of the cure, they even paid musicians to keep the afflicted moving. <laughs> it's like, oh, you've been poisoned? Here, have... More poison. Well, that's probably what they did. Shit, the medicine they gave them always was poison. I was just at the Mütter Museum, and they had, like, the fucking physician's jars and stuff, and yeah. it was, like, deadly nightshade, strychnine, fucking whatever shit. It's just, like, straight cancer. It was just a cancer tumor that you ate. I'm like, are you really, like, who thought this through? Yeah, I don't know. It'll kill you, but if it doesn't kill you, you'll be alive, so... <laughs> so medicine. And I don't, like... I, I honestly didn't even look into who this historian was, but I just thought this blurb was kind of funny uh, at one part of the article, which states, Historian John Waller stated that the, that a marathon runner could not have lasted the intense workout that these men and women did hundreds of years ago. So I'd like to state that whoever like survived this plague was fucking jacked. Yeah, but this is also in the time of back-breaking labor. And people consumed, like, insane amounts of carbohydrates because they also worked insane amounts of heavy labor. Mm. So, talking about people who, like, on average are eating, like, three to 5,000 calories a day, you know, two-thirds of which are bread and the like, mm. and then are just, like, lifting rocks and plowing fields and all this yeah. stuff. So, they got, they got reserves. They yeah. got stamina to spare. They're used to a hard day's labor. Yeah. And for this, this is their opportunity to really shake loose. Right, right, Put right. loose, if you will. Right. Well, you gotta go loose. Yeah, well, I'm going to get to the theories for this specific one, but my personal theory... Ecstasy. No. Oh. Who is the star in Footloose, Frank? Ecstasy. No. 
Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. So I like to put it on record that Kevin Bacon, who is part of the New World Order, true. Bilderberg Group, got a time machine from the Bilderberg Group, <laughs> traveled back in time to take what out the poor. Right. In these particular centuries. <laughs> this is your personal so, theory. The, well, yeah, but I'm stating this shit as fact. Mm-hmm. Because... Well, no, you said it, it's a theory. It can't be both. Well, think about it, right? So, <laughs> so they needed these nobles to, you know, gain more money and not have to deal with all these poor people. And so he, he inflicted them with dancing plague. And then when they were like, the nobles were like, well, maybe this isn't a good thing. Kevin Bacon came dressed as a doctor mm-hmm. and being like, you know what the only cure for this is? <laughs> More dance. And they couldn't understand him because he spoke English to a bunch of French people. <laughs> he learned French for the expedition. He just talked with his hands a lot, they got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's so, doing river dance. That's illegal in these parts. The quote unquote modern theories include food poisoning caused by toxic and psychoactive chemicals uh, such as ergo fun, uh, ergot or ergo. I don't know. Ergot fungi? I think it's ergo. Ergo fungi? Anyway. Ergo. This is a research podcast. (laughs) Which grows commonly on grains and wheat. So, like we were talking about, the psychoactive bread, which sounds like a good time to make. Also, isn't it if you eat some insane amount of nutmeg? I don't know if that's true. I don't know. I never ate that much nutmeg. No, neither have I. I'm so... (laughs) But, like, there's, there's a lot of, like, other... Occurrences of mass hysteria that's attributed this to Salem witch trials, mm. witch hunts in general, stuff mm. like that. There's a lot of moldy grain. Moldy grain <laughs> in your brain. <laughs> so another theory is this whole belief that the Saint Vitus and um, Saint John curse, and, and including you know people just being poor and there being plague everywhere, because this <laughs> happened not long, like not long after the bubonic plague. Uh-huh. Um, the old poor plague. People were just riddled with it. Stressed out and way more stressed out than I am. Um, yeah. And I'm pretty stressed out. Uh, we dance a lot. Yeah, we dance a lot. I dance away the pain. Yeah. Well, that's why I suggested that maybe perhaps they were dancing to stay warm. Because I know, given the current season, although the climate uh, or the, the weather today is unseasonably warm, but I generally like to dance a lot in the wintertime because it keeps my, my blood flowing. gives me hot right. blood. Hot blood. Hot blood, which is a cure for cold. Mm-hmm. Which makes you dance more. Yeah, sure. It's a it's a feedback loop of dancing. Ben, yeah. that was terrific. Really great work. I mean, if you have to be stricken by dance mania, good way to go out. Good way to go out. Yeah, you know? I would agree. I did it. You just can't get over people going to the church and dancing at the church. Saint Vitus, please! I can't stop dancing. He's like, more dad. <laughs> okay. God, please save me from the boogie and the beats. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just can't imagine what it was like. I mean, I guess fiddle music's fun. I've been to weddings, but like, I'm a, I'm a techno guy, you know, and I would want my dancing plague to be soundtracked by techno. Mm, I feel that. What do you got for us, Dick Fetty? Okay, so I went down the same list of Wikipedia entries for mass hysteria that we all did, and I came up with the Kosovo student poisoning, which sounded fun and, and sexy, and mm-hmm. was not. Um, <laughs> was so, it sexy? What year? Uh, nineteen ninety. Okay. I what month? I wanted to do uh, February. 
Fair enough. <laughs> so I wanted to do something more recent, and uh, I know a little bit about Yugoslavia, Kosovo, and the uh, Kosovo War. Not a lot, but I remember it specifically uh, from when I was a kid, because we bombed the shit out of Kosovo when I was 11 and 12. Uh, about, yeah, I didn't think I was 12 yet. But anyway, I remember, I remember it happening. I remember being on the news. I remember seeing the cruise missiles striking Kosovo. And um, uh, particularly the Serbians. But they killed a bunch of refugees too. It was a whole thing. And I'm going to touch a little bit onto the politics because it, it serves as part of the explanation for what happened. But um, I have to give some preface too with the politics to explain, to set it all up. So Kosovo is one of the many tiny places that was part of Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia was set up after World War II. It's the Balkan region, so you might have heard about the Balkan Wars, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Totally. Yeah. So um, it was a place where there were many different ethnic groups, many different languages, um, a lot of different people in a very small area in terms of geography of Europe. And in classic post World War Two fashion, we're like we can just we can just mash these all together. It's gonna be fine. Mm -hmm. So uh, they did that, and it didn't go well. Mm -hmm. And it took about well, 30, 40, 50 years, depending on how you look at it, um, to break down. Pinochet was basically, if it wasn't for him, um, it would have fallen apart sooner. But he was an awesome tyrant, so he was able to keep the pseudo-nation together. But Kosovo was an autonomous province in 1990 that was part of Yugoslavia as a whole. And it's primarily made up of Albanians. They're like 98% of the population. And Albania borders it. And then um, there's a minority of Serbians. But in Yugoslavia generally, the Serbians were increasingly growing nationalistic, wanting to dismantle uh, Yugoslavia. Mm -hmm. Kosovo and Albania were wanting to separate themselves as well. And um, there was a lot of ethnic tension that led to this poisoning. And so at this point, following the death of Pinochet and um, going into the late 80s, into the early 90s, there was an increasing attempt by the uh, minority Serbians to assert control and to ethnically cleanse and separate the Albanians from Kosovo, which made up the vast majority of the population. So it was hard work, but they brought in a lot of Serbs from outside of Kosovo, the province slash pseudo state, um, in to basically conduct a series of uh, segregation, police brutality, and um, media and government domination, forcing out uh, Albanian uh, Kosovo's or Kosovo Albanians um, from the country that they had, like, you know, basically been in for quite a while. And it was effective. So by 1990, uh, most of the medical establishment had replaced all of the Albanian people that were in it, mm -hmm. and the Albanians didn't trust the Serbian doctors and stuff that were in power, both on the local level. Who does, you know? Yeah. Serbian doctor? Yeah. So um, up to the highest levels, to the point where there were no um, specific practitioners in a lot of fields, uh, which resulted, like, there were no, in what is it, obstetrics, or how do you say, like, gynecologists? Uh, that? Obstruction. Yeah. That. There were, um, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, 
there weren't any Albanian doctors, like gynecologists and that kind of stuff. Mm. So there was the Albanians just wouldn't go to the hospital for birthing, and oh, then there was geez. like much higher infant mortality rate. Hysteria. This, yeah, right. It's all coming back. Um, so there's all this horrible shit happening, and as part of this, in the beginning of 1990, they segregated the schools, or were starting to segregate the schools, and in the bigger areas, it was done first, and then it was done other places so that the Serbian students would come in in the morning and then afterwards the Albanian students would come in. Oh, wow. Yeah, so all this starts happening and the Kosovo student poisoning then occurs uh, on March 22nd, 1990. And I got some of my research from Wikipedia. I tried to delve into primary articles. A lot of them were taken down. Um, a lot of this stuff that was written then, both locally and has been written about it since, or part of different um, newspapers and, and things like that where um, there was, and those aren't even primary docu documents, those are secondary sources, but they've all been like taken down, changed, erased, whatever. Serbia, uh, Kosovo, Yugoslavia, the whole area is like really fucked up and has this really fucked up history. Mm -hmm. And basically this is going to touch on like some national, international level conspiracy st stuff that... Um, from my perspective is, we like to think it's not real, but could be very real. So, um, so I got a lot of research from that. And then I also got research from this article that was written, Health System and Ethnic Cleansing, a Testimony from Kosovo by Ilariana Gashi. That who, sounds an uplifting read. Yeah, who was a student at the University de Lusanne, which is in Switzerland. This article was written in September 2004, and uh, she looked at data, statistics, and other stuff um, from Kosovo at the time and since then to try to get a, an idea about what's happened in terms of the health sphere in Kosovo since 1990. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go into it. A bunch of the research doesn't apply, but there is some research in here that I want to touch on. So, anyway. The Kosovo student poisoning occurred on March 22, 1990, when thousands of young people, mostly students and babies, in infant schools were poisoned by toxic gases. At first, as a result of a lack of information, this incident was named the mysterious disease. Many had um, fainting spells, vomiting, and violent convulsions, and uh, the primary statistics for it were there was conjunctivitis found in everybody who was treated for this mysterious illness, mm -hmm. redness in the face. Conjunctivitis is when um, you basically get like pus leaking from your eyes and yeah. that kind of stuff. What the fuck? Yeah, it's pretty gross. Yeah, they cover so, it in an Aquatine episode. Yeah. This is mass hysteria. Yeah. Oh, he'll get that. Okay, yeah. I'm so interested. Redness in the face, 80% of the people reported that. Dizziness was reported at 84%. Uh, difficulty breathing, 76%. Stomach pain, 58. So um, there's a bunch of other symptoms as well. But basically, it starts off in one school and then immediately starts spreading over the coming days to other schools. And the only people, for the most part, that were affected were Albanian students and children. And because of um, the Serbians' takeover of the infrastructure of Kosovo, when they went to the hospitals, the hospitals either refused to treat them, were unable to treat them, or they didn't go to the hospitals because it was all Serbian doctors working there. Right. Um, people that went in for treatment and uh, tried to get help were often questioned immediately after by the Serbian police, or they were prevented from treatment by the Serbian police. 
Ambulance drivers had their licenses revoked when they tried to bring people to and from hospitals. So there was all this like horrible human rights abuse type of thing happening simultaneous with this. And basically the media, which was all controlled by the Serbian population, said like, this is bullshit. This is just a case of mass hysteria. And they called it pure acting or the children masquerade. And they said that like these kids just made it up for attention. They were just trying to uh, bolster the plight of Albanians in Serbia, and there was nothing wrong here, and everything was fine. Right. That does make it sound fun. Yeah, the children's <laughs> masquerade. Yeah, yeah. so the Kings, the the Kinds or Kings film festival was happening simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So a prominent Serbian um, politician was like, Ah, they're just doing it for that, you know, blah blah blah. Oh, wow. Meanwhile, people are like, No one died from it, or if they did, the statistics are super low but I mean it affected thousands of people and uh, they were like oh no it's totally made up so and the symptoms spread over the course of a couple weeks and um, by May the there were still some cases happening but it was starting to die down and um, you know like I said there were they were getting medical treatment where they could in official facilities but also a lot of nuns and uh, other religious um, people from religious bodies were helping because the state wasn't really doing their job. Mm-hmm. And so because there was no independent research being done outside of the Serbian-controlled government, they, uh, the Albanians asked for international help and researchers started to come in from uh, France and uh, Britain and some other places to take a look at what was actually happening. And so, like I said, this is, a, this is on the list for mass hysteria on Wikipedia, but it's disputed from the get-go. The Albanians say, like, this is very real. The children reported that they found powder on their desks, that when they touched the powder, that they would immediately break out in these symptoms. Mm. Um, there was concern, like, right away that it was either going to be some kind of nerve toxin or there was pesticides. There were reports simultaneous and prior to the outbreak that people had seen um, strange people at the schools before the Albanians went in and all this kind of stuff. And some people said it was coming, being spread through like the central air at the schools. Other people said like they were, the desks were sprayed down. There was a lot of different information about mm-hmm. how it was being, uh, whatever poison that they claimed was being used or adulterant, pesticide, nerve gas, whatever. There's a lot of different theories and it's possible that all of these things were used in conjunction with one another. Yeah. Um, but from the Serbian standpoint and some doctor standpoint, even since there's been, they've said it's just totally was made up. It was basically, you know, the classic case of mass hysteria where it met all the criteria of mass hysteria in its, uh, physical form, which is to say that there are symptoms with rapid spread and rapid improvement distributed by eye expression, sound, and oral communication. Symptoms are passing, but not dangerous. It appears, um, it appeared by hyperventilation and syncope, which is, uh, I forget. I think it's like, uh, I don't know, I don't remember. It appears in segregated groups, which is what the Albanians were. The existence is characterized by an extraordinary concern. Females are more vulnerable. It was more omnipresent in youth. Symptoms have a lack of organic explanation. So this- I I feel like it, in a place where what Albanians were the persecuted mm-hmm. and like doesn't it seem like it could just be a gigantic cover-up to be like nope that's mass hysteria yeah completely it seems like that probably because conjunctivitis it's like really hard to 
fake or spontaneously. Unless they were just all farting each other's faces. Yeah, spontaneously have happened, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't disagree. So, from my takeaway from this, and I'm going to get more into it, is that this, these kids were totally poisoned. Like, yeah. maybe there was a level of mass hysteria where for people who didn't suffer from conjunctivitis or didn't have, although it says 100% yeah. report on that, you know, people who had other symptoms that basically you could fake or you say you had but didn't necessarily yeah. have to show up, like having nausea, dizzy, dizziness, those or types even of things. Like breaking out in a rash is like, I can understand. Yeah, like it can be psychosomatic. Yeah. yeah, but that. Yeah, no, there seems to be a certain level of physicality to it. And, um, you know, of the 2,000 students, there uh, were no serious injuries outside of the conjunctivitis and some of this other stuff. And nobody died. So, it's odd that they would poison students and not kill them, but then yeah. at the same time, like, you have to figure that at this point there's not the full-on um, Kosovo War, which will happen in 1988, 1999, but, like, the Serbians have to know that if you kill a bunch of kids, the world's going to care. Yeah. You know what I mean? And well, if they knew that, why would they try to get them sick in the first place? You know what I, I mean? Know. I hear you. Logically, it's... Well, it could have been they were testing like the effectiveness of certain nerve gases or yeah. toxins they were just trying to rile them up i mean it's just like at that point you're just prodding a population you've already got kind of uh ensnared with a pitchfork and just mm -hmm. saying like what are you going to do about it you know what i mean yeah. like they can fuck with them because there was uh already sort of the beginnings of the kosovo liberation army but that wasn't really in full swing yet so they didn't have a lot they could do to protect themselves from the serbs who were much better armed and organized Right, but at the same time, you know, they they were a pretty powerful government uh, enough to take well the the Serbians or whoever was supposed it was the Serbians who were supposedly uh, poisoning the Albanians, right? Right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it stands to reason that like, why couldn't they have just if they were just testing all this stuff, couldn't they have done it in secret? Because the the, the payoff doesn't make sense. Like, why? Like, if if you're gonna kill somebody. I don't think it, ha it has to make sense. I think you made a really good point, which is, like, you've got a population. You can test shit on them if you want. You can just fuck with them because you don't like them. Yeah. You yeah. Know? The whole point was that the Serbians were trying to get the Albanians to leave Kosovo. Yeah. And this and was this was effective motive. in the sense of, like, you send your kids to school and they come back poisoned. You're not going to send your kids to school anymore. And if you can't send your kids to school, you're going to leave the area. Because they've already segregated them, right? Like, they're already getting the inferior education. Right. And now it's like, we're going to make it, like, impossible for them to go. Like, here's, we're actually going to poison your kids. Get the fuck out of our country. Yeah. So from that perspective and that objective, it, to me, it makes sense. You know what I mean? It wasn't effective to a point. But at the same time, by the time the Kosovo War started, a huge amount of the Albanian population of Kosovo, which was the primary population of Kosovo, had left and were in areas outside of the primary cities and on, like, the borders of the state itself. So, like, the Serbians were effective, and they, like, did commit an, an ethnic cleansing slash genocide of the Albanians, uh, Kosovars, in the late 90s. And, I mean, had started doing that already. It didn't reach, like, the levels of the Armenian genocide or the Holocaust and that kind of thing, but it was this exact same process that's been practiced for, well, as long as man's had differences with the other communities, so... Mm. Um, but so the conflicting research that came out of this and started to happen immediately, uh, there were doctors who came from the University of Pristina, uh, 
to do an analysis of the blood and urine um, from the people who were infected. And the uh, University of Pristina was in Kosovo. So they did a toxicological analysis of the blood and urine, but they didn't get a clear uh, picture of what was happening, if there was a toxin or a pesticide or anything like that in it. So um, samples were taken uh, by the basically the Serbians to a military academy in Belgrade in Serbia to do the research and then in three days they report back oh everything's fine and so yeah. then after the fact a Dr. Baron Cohen says who was there in Kosovo um, with the Helsinki Federation said it was strange that the academy would result release the results so quickly because normally in the west it would take at least six weeks to do an analysis of yeah. this so it was like this seems like bullshit and it's coming from the state who's trying to get these people out yeah. so okay but the Serbian doctors and now I apologize. You guys have German words. These are Serbian. You can't even... The, if you could see the accent marks it? on these letters. Can I help me out there? Let me say. Balos Okay, so I had a... Um, I believe he was Albanian, down-the-hall roommate my freshman year of college, and he would tell me Serbian stuff. Or maybe he was Serbian. Anyways, I can't pronounce these things, yeah. so I apologize to anybody who's from... It looks like it says Balsak. Yeah, Bolosevic, but it's like, it's a very <laughs> kind of. uh, different kind of language. <laughs> he was the one who said, you know, this is pure acting, this is bullshit, don't worry about it. Um, the newspaper Vizhenik, uh Ooh. said on March 26th that, that um, sexy. this was a psychogen reaction or a mass hysteria. Um, simultaneous, and a little bit later, uh, Albanian doctor Joseph uh, Dedushaj in a letter of August 15, 1990, denied that there uh, was any psychic causes to the disease. He believed that um, psychic causes would have started showing up when um, the Albanian population started to refuse medical treatment by Serbian doctors the year prior, yeah. and that if they would have seen it, it would have started then, not a year later. Yeah. Um, Dr. Medishaz uh, was invited to be an export, uh, an expert with a different opinion, basically a contrasting opinion, um, for during surveys at one of the schools. Uh, but before he could do that, he was detained by the police and beaten. And then when he was eventually released from detainment, he found microphones in his office. So like, it wasn't like the Serbian government wasn't trying to silence dissenting opinions, dissenting opinions, yeah. I apologize. Dr. Bresnik Barty, along with Dr. Slobodan Lang, professors in the fact of Medicine in Zagreb were organizers of a symposium which would uh, analyze the disease. A few days after their plans were published, their phones went through interception or their phones were tapped. Some of this Wikipedia article is definitely written by people without English as a first language. Mm -hmm. uh, and Dr. Lang received death threats over the phone. Uh, then later, Dr. Ali Zatriki and Dr. Flora Brovina stated their suspicions about the poisoning of the Albanian students that it was, in fact, a poison was introduced to the schools. Yeah. And um, in the uh, later uh, that year, Dr. Flora Brovina was taken by the police and detained for like the next seven years until she was finally released after for after there was international pressure to release her. Um, wow, this doesn't seem like mass hysteria at all. Right. It seems like I think it's crazy that would even be on the Wikipedia page for mass hysteria. This is so clearly a government cover up. 
Well, that's the thing about government cover-ups. The whole idea that there's conspiracy ever is always like, oh, yeah, sure, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. People always assume it's bullshit, which is, like, in my opinion, what any government wants. Like, you yeah. want there to be any kind of dissension to automatically be like, that person's unstable. Yeah. This is information. Yeah, right. Like, it's this is classic strategic communication. Yeah. So... Um, in April 1990, the Federal Commission had Slovenian Dr. Anton Dolink declared that the incident had nothing to do with poisoning or any epidemic disease, but declared a psychogen reaction was the only possible explanation. Um, so, Slovenia and Serbia are different. He's not Serbian, but it's, like, still an outsider. And Slovenia was, um, actually, I'm not going to say that because I don't know. I don't want to make shit up. Uh, on August 1st, 1990, French doctor Bernard Benedetti uh, said in an interview with La Course newspaper, um, he claimed that he had gone to Pristina, obtained blood samples from 150 pa uh, patients. He'd done an analysis in Paris, and it had shown that the students were definitely poisoned, but when he went to publish the results, the French government said, no, you, you're not allowed to do that, yeah. and forced him to not do it because they wanted to maintain good relations with Serbia, which was basically all the countries in Europe, including the U.S. at the time. Like, we didn't give a shit about Kosovo until 1998, and this yeah. was happening for, like, 15 years prior. Yeah. And in part, that's due to the sovereignty of states. Like, if you want to do horrible atrocities in your own state, that's fine as long as it doesn't cross international lines. But, um, you know, that's, like... I, again, I believe that like a government would say, we're not going to do anything that's going to upset our relations with whatever nation. Mm. So Serbia wasn't that bad yet because they weren't like going through the streets and uh, pitchforking babies and blowing up towns quite yet. Um, <laughs> not yet. So he was never able to publish those results, and then his uh, papers and findings and stuff like that were destroyed later. Uh, at the same time, two British doctors, Alistair Hay and John Fran, found no hints of poison, and they published their findings in The Lancet, which is one of the oldest medical journals in the world, giving, again, credibility to this idea that it's mass hysteria and that these French and these Albanians have no idea what they're mm -hmm. talking about. And I don't generally care for the French, but on this one, I'm on their side. You don't? So, yeah. I had no idea. Weird. Um, another group called the Commission of Geneva was sent to Kosovo, um, and there several doctors took analysis. They didn't do um, blood analysis, but they interviewed health personnel, children, and their patients. Uh, they took detailed notes of the symptoms. They, they found that a lot of the students who were exposed and had symptoms described smelling things similar to vinegar or other things which um, to them sounded like they would be organic phosphates, which are... Um, part of or uh, part of what our nerve gas is, chemical warfare, that kind mm. of stuff. So they thought that it might have been sarin or tubin, um, which are both chemical warfare agents. But Dr. Benedetti said that he never found sarin and tobin when he did his blood thing, but he found, instead found um, molecular, molecular structures similar to that in herbicides. So it's unclear whether it was one, both, yeah. you know whatever there's a lot of discussion from the students about like the different ways they saw people in school or the different ways that they were they thought they were exposed sometimes it was powder sometimes they thought it was a gas yeah so it's quite possible that you know the serbian government was just trying a bunch of different things out to see what was the most effective uh chemical warfare so wake up one morning let's try the powder today. <laughs> yeah i don't i don't think it was like that i don't think it was fun um <laughs> So there, this is a comedy podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so 
anyways, to kind of wrap this up, there was um, Serbian officials destroyed any kind of higher level medical records about this stuff. Mm -hmm. The police ransacked hospitals, doctor's office. They took all the records. They detained doctors, ambulance drivers, patients, parents, kids, the whole nine yards. Basically, anything to do with this, especially on a medical or academic level, was trashed in Albania or Kosovo itself. Like, they did not, there are very few records left. And all the uh, state papers, like I said, they all said this is bullshit, mm -hmm. like this, is, this didn't really happen. Um, <clears throat> there was a uh, biochemist, Franco Plavsic, no, Plavsic, Plavsic uh, who was in Zagreb. There was a symposium. He said that he had isolated a chemical substance, an organic phosphate, from uh, blood samples he had taken. But when he went to actually go to this public conference, uh, he mysteriously disappeared. And then the government who um, was gonna was hosting the summit said like, oh, his reports are bullshit, blah blah blah. Yeah. And like, I they don't say whether or not he turned up dead later or he just came back later. But it sounds like he was arrested before he could present his information. Yeah. Um, a bunch of other blood analyses uh, were lost, records were taken, yada yada. So. The only other later backing um, to the idea that it was mass hysteria was there was a theory and study done by Zoran Radovanovic. Radovanovic. It's a lot of work, a lot of letters. Who was a professor at the Faculty of Medicine in Kuwait, which, like, don't really know how that's related or reputable. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not necessarily trusting hospitals in Kuwait. But it sounds like he might have been a Serbian who was in Kuwait, because that's not a Kuwaiti sounding name. Yeah. Uh, anyways, he wrote this paper saying that like it was just classic mass hysteria, and those symptoms I listed were originally symptoms listed by Bartholomew and Wesley as characteristics of mass hysteria, and he added the last one, which is symptoms have a lack of organic explanation. Mm. He said it was all bullshit too. Again, hypothetically leading credence to the idea that uh, this was mass hysteria. So that was what I chose to do. Um, I wound up doing a significant amount of research after the fact. And uh, I just want to take a look real quick. Uh, I think I basically talked about all the stuff that's in Ms. Gashi's article. But um, let's see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't want to leave anything out. Gonna cut this out, gonna edit it right out. No, I don't think we need to. Uh, basically, yeah, that just, that was, I think I covered it all. So, in terms of what that like article spoke to. Um, but, you know, I guess what I wanted to talk about just a little bit was, I mentioned the Kosovo War, which followed this. So, starting in like 1992, 1993, the Kosovo Liberation Army uh, started to, I don't know, form into existence, basically. It was originally kind of like militias and, and whatever, but they were sort of rebels after the state was uh, dismantled by Serbia, and they formed this army of ethnic Albanians who said, like, you know, we're going to fight for liberation. And when the Kosovo War really kicked off in 1998, they were the eyes and ears of the NATO forces who uh, essentially only bombed Kosovo. And 
this happened in retaliation to the growing public displays of genocide, ethnic cleansing, mm -hmm. um, like horrible atrocities, all this kind of stuff. Like again, really truly like pitchforking babies, blowing up towns, shooting people in the street, mass graves, all the rest. Uh, enough of the word got out to the rest of Europe that they're like, we really have to do something about that. So the UN passed a bunch of different resolutions leading up to their uh, eventual involvement in 1998. And uh, from an international law perspective, Bill Clinton was, uh, it was during the Monica Lewinsky scandal, there's a whole theory that he, he pushed the UN into military action in order to take eyes off of him in the Lewinsky scandal and focus on like this good thing America's doing elsewhere in the world. Uh, it was effective in the sense that that kind of took a back burner while this happened, although it was a short war and we never had troops on the ground mm -hmm. as an armed conflict. It was all just aerial bombing and that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, there was never a UN dec declaration from the Security Council saying the war was an okay, like, go ahead, do whatever, put troops on the ground. So a bunch of nations um, in the UN decided, like, fuck it, we're going to do it anyways. Mostly Western European, France, uh, the UK, the US, a couple others all, like, were about it. And um, then afterwards, the UN put in uh, Security Council Resolution 1244, which uh, dated June 10th, 1999, was essentially the post-war resolution that kind of put everything in stasis. And then it wasn't until... 2006, I believe, that Kosovo uh, declared its independence, and it's now recognized by the majority of states in the UN, although it doesn't have unanimous recognition. Specifically, mostly like Eastern Bloc states that are under the influence of Russia don't recognize it. I believe China doesn't recognize Kosovo's independence, so it's still in this sort of post-UN resolution limbo. Um, but the great thing about it was the Albanians were able to come back there's still a lot of ethnic tension in the region, um, but it's better than it was. Kosovo, like the state province, however you want to recognize it, has experienced economic growth and things have kind of gotten back to normal, um, or even better than normal, I would say. Uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, that, this is really the ramp up to what was a horrible, bloody period in Yugoslavia, the Balkan territories, whatever you want to call it, and. Uh, you know, was home to numerous atrocities of war. And is interestingly part of basically the main theme, the Balkan War generally, of Grunt's fantastic 1998 album, uh, Europe, Europe After Storm? Europe Over Storm? I don't know, really good power electronics. I like how you're looking at Flex like she knows. And uh, totally worth checking out. A very different perspective on U.S. involvement in that album. Not so positive. But, uh... Yeah, that's the uh, oh. Kosovo student poisoning. That ends our episode Mass on the Kosovo case. war. Yeah, uh, um, I got I got my thing. Can I do my thing? Of course you're gonna do your thing. I'm excited. You guys ready? Yeah. Can I tell you what it is? No. Beardo Ben's Best Buys. Best Buys. Yeah. Not necessarily the most affordable things, but if you got some money and you want to spend it on some stuff, it's pretty good stuff to spend it on. Okay, let's hear it. So. Um, what I wanted to talk about this week was uh, my favorite book, which I've been currently rereading, and my wife is hopefully getting me a hoodie for, for uh. Christmas. Um, a book by an author named Mark Z. Danluski. Mm. He's a very uh, modern writer in the sense that um, 
He uses word placement to kind of paint a mental picture. It does it really well. He had a breakout book called Only Revolutions, where if you ha held the book one way and read it, it was a tale from a the male perspective of this female male duo that were on a journey, and then if you flip the book the other way, it was the female perspective of everything. Ooh. But my favorite book by him is a wonderful, wonderful book called House of Leaves. Um, it comes off quite as a horror novel, but, um, and, and Dick Fetty's agreed with me on this. It's, uh, it's definitely also a love story. Totally. That's um, the heart of it. Yeah. So, essentially the basis of the book, without getting too much into it, um, it's got kind of like three levels to it. It's got, uh, Johnny, who is one of the main characters, um, his buddy calls him up late one night and says, hey, my neighbor died, uh, let's go get into his apartment and look at all the crazy stuff that he's got in there. So while in there, Johnny finds this book that uh, this gentleman, Zampano, was writing about something called the Navison Record, which is the third tier, the second tier being Zampano's story. Um, the third tier uh, is all about the Navison Record, which is about this guy named Will Navison. Hmm? Zampano. Uh, it's a book. I, I pronounce it. Yeah, no, I feel you. I just, it's one of those weird things when you go to talk about a book with somebody uh -huh. else. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's how you say that name? That's wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, it's like, I remember when like Harry Potter was first getting big and like people couldn't pronounce Hermione. Hermione's name. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Zampano, Zampano, Zampano Lucci, whatever. Um, he was writing this book about this supposed documentary called The Navison Record, which was about a famous world-class photojournalist, you want a Pulitzer. It was based on the guy who took the picture of the kid uh, the, with the vulture next to him in the yes. Sudan and all that. And they actually cite that exact picture in the book, stating that it was Navison who took it. But anyway, um, him and his, it's not his wife, it's his girlfriend, they weren't married. Uh, she's like, hey listen, you need to stop jet setting around the world, we've got two kids, like, come on, like, let's settle down and raise our kids. So he essentially has this idea where he wants to create a film about the life of the American family. So they move into this house and he's filming everything. And then one day, um, this doorway appears in their living room uh, that leads into this like cold darkness. And um, it, it's, it's crazy because the whole book is cited like all of these things actually happened. But even the narrator of the book, Johnny, states that he could never find anything about this stuff being real. Some of the sites are correct, some of them are completely made up. Mm. And the further you get into the book, it kind of delves into this madness between Johnny, Navidson, Zapano, Zapano, Zapanalucci. Um, Waluigi. Waluigi. And, uh, we almost avoided racism. That's, that's, yeah, that's an actual character. That's Mario. Yeah. That's <laughs> Japanese, they're not racist. <laughs> anyway, um, but the book's really beautifully written, and one of the things, and you know, if you do go out and read it, know that it can become a tough read, not because of the large words that it uses, but it switches between the story written by Zapano, uh, whatever, um, and then Johnny interjecting his own little blurbs about his life and like how horrible his life is, pretty much. Um, but the further you get into the book, the crazier the layout of the book itself gets. You gotta read it in the mirror. Parts of it are, yeah, you have to read it in the mirror. That's true. Um, there's, there's a part later in the book that, um, you kind of have to, Oculus, that you kind of have to decode. 
Mm. And all the clues are there. There's this whole forum that's dedicated singularity to this book about, like, discussing certain certain theories on the book and all these other things. So let me just get this straight, though. You're recommending the book? That's your best buy? Yes. Okay. Are you just trying to cut me short? No, I'm just trying <laughs> to understand where we're going with this. Well, I'm describing the book. Yeah. <laughs> this is Ben's book and review. why, why... Well, his... It may, not, are. It really? may not be a book every time. Yeah, I'm not, not saying it has to be. I'm just being... I was like, going to do Mario Odyssey, but I was reading the book today, and I was like, I want to talk about this. Okay, fine. I'm going to give we're you so much shit next time we do Disco Box. Together. We're all in this journey. I was very excited about this. I, I'm not trying to dampen your excitement. It's an excellent book, and I would give it a second recommendation. Anyway, there is a warning that the book gets kind of hard to read, because you have to turn it upside down, you have to read parts of it in mirrors, and but it's definitely worth the read. I felt a little bit more complete as a human being once I finished it. Um, I do recommend his other books, uh, albeit his newest series, which is going to be super long, and even the first book is uh, quite long, is almost written in thought form. So it's very run-on. There's a lot of uh, parentheses and semicolons and run-on sentences, and it's, it can get very hard to read. There's an entire chapter in Chinese. But anyway... Um, Yes, that is my best buy of this week. You should definitely go out and read the book if you like creepy things and love stories and weird surreal things. Awesome. Brilliant. Everybody did great this week. These were some great things. Um, what? Nothing. <laughs> what? I'm just trying to tie it back. Student poisoning. That's a great thing. <laughs> I know what you mean. No, everybody did great research, and I'm glad with what we brought to the table. Loved your segment. Loved your segment. Still working on public domainia. We'll get back to you next week on that. And I think that's, that's all we've it. got. Yeah. yeah. I so. love there's always a little uh, self-congratulatory part at the end of ep- every yeah. episode. Yeah. We didn't fuck it up. We did it. We did all a right. good job. Well, later, nerds. We'll see you in the house. Later. Bye, later.